you said you'd come. Lawrence, hope you're not too late. We know each other. He's a friend from work. Hello, good evening everybody. Welcome to episode number 46 of the Wulong Talks podcast. My name is Jason, I'm the host of the show as you know. Um, and today we're going to be talking exclusively about the deliciousness of Avengers Infinity War. Now this is going to be a spoiler heavy episode, so if you haven't seen the movie yet, we suggest you go and see the movie. Well, first off, if you haven't seen the movie yet, why have you not seen the movie yet? Like, really, seriously, what are you waiting for? But um, we are going to dive deep into spoilers here. We're going to review the movie. We're going to weigh up just about everything that we've seen. Um, and we're going to have a part two for you as well, where we take on some of the questions that you've sent us this week uh, about the movie as well. Uh, but before we get into that, let me introduce who's joining us today, because we do have two very special guests. Uh, first of all, as always, up north, we've got Big A, the Maggie. Big A, say what's up, man. No, he's gone quiet. You hear that? (laughs) (laughs) See, 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 it's not always me. It's not always me. Yeah. (laughs) You, man, what's going on? Did you hear me? Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Was was it quiet? Was there rustling? No, I wasn't. You shut your mouth. Come on now. There was bare bare clack, clack, clack noise. No, it wasn't me. I don't know what you're talking about. (laughs) (laughs) And also, as you've heard, we've got the rustling kid in the house, Rich Kid. Rich, say what's up? What's happening, people? Cool, cool. And as I said, we've got two very special guests with us. The first one, you've heard him here with us before. You should know who he is by now. You should know what he's all about. We've got Nigel from Mayamada. Nigel, welcome to the I'm show, back. man. So what's up? I'm back. They let me back on. <laughs> <laughs> he snuck in through the back door. Yeah. <laughs> and as I said, we have a, another very special guest joining us today. We have the novelist and super fan. I think super fan is the correct term for him. Mr. O, Mr. O, say what's up, man. Welcome to the show. I hope they remember you. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, yo, listen, people are going to remember this, man. This shit is epic. (laughs) But um, because this is the first time we're we're hearing from you, um, just give a little bit about, you know, um, who you are and and what you do and uh, what brings you on to this Avengers Infinity War discussion. Oh. My name is Mr. O, that stands for Beasted Originality Happen, and I'm a writer, anonymous writer from London, and I am here because I am a Marvel geek, nerd, whatever you want to call it, I am involved. I have been waiting to talk about this for time. Let's do this. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds like you're ready, sir, and we're ready. So you know what? Let's just get into it, man. 
sod it. <laughs> I was gonna, as you know, listeners, we usually do like a little roundup to say what we've been doing this week. But frankly, I think the only thing any of us have been doing is, is Avengers Infinity War. <laughs> and um, yeah, so, so let's just dive into it, man, for real. So everybody, um, if we go around the table, uh, if I could just get like your initial thoughts um, on the movie. Um, you've had a couple of days now to to kind of stew it over and and think it in and you know sink in all all of the details and everything that we've we've seen and heard. So um, yeah, just going around the table, I guess. As I said, just uh, give us your initial thoughts. So we'll start um, as we always do, as is tradition, with Big A the Mac Geek. So Big A, um, let's know your initial thoughts, mate. I was so happy, like literally leaving the cinema after seeing the uh, the post credit scene. I was just smiling, man. I was like. It's it's been it's gone, and the ten years like get leading up to it is was just like I thought it was just a really good way to celebrate the MCU and ten years of it with a film that big, and to masterfully juggle all those characters. Some films can't even juggle five characters, and I don't want to compare it to DC, but I just did just wow, there. we're there already. Um, multiple characters multiple like little storylines that all like converge and and it just did it so well and also not only that on top of that it was a film about the villain and i like that when when you kind of get to see like the villain's motives and it's more than oh, i want to destroy the universe or rule the world or whatever it was more than that you know i mean he had legit reasons in his mind he's the good guy he's not the bad guy and you kind of get where he's coming from in a way, but what he's doing is wrong. But I, I just love the whole thing, man. It was totally worth it. Totally worth the wait, man. And, and I'm so glad it's it's here, man. It's just dope. I, I thought it was a dope movie. Mm-hmm. Amen, bro. Amen. Mr. O, um, I mean, I know you're chomping at the bit, bro. So, um, yeah, I said, just give us your kind of initial thoughts and, and takeaway from, from the movie when you saw it. Um, I was... Yeah, it's like Alvin said, I left the cinema like happy, very, very, very happy that, again, it was from the villain's perspective, um, so you kind of see with him because he had a motive for it, and it wasn't necessarily, you know, take the world and destroy the world and be the last person that is based on something, kind of like how a lot of people um, recognised with um, can't remember Michael B. Jordan's character's name, but oh, Killmonger. Killmonger. How that went out my head? I never know. <laughs> ah, <if it> <laughs> um, loved it. Everything managed to get everyone in and give them their time and move around the world the way they did and the team ups. I it, I was just blown away to to follow all of these films into this one thing, and sorry to throw this in, but I love saying it, that nothing like this in film has ever been done before. And I was in from Iron Man all the way to the end to see all of this. I was just, I was, I was, I'm taken by the whole thing. So it was just amazing. Mm -hmm. Agreed, man, agreed. Um, Nigel, how about you, man? Uh, yeah, it was it was epic from the opening scene to the very the very end. Um, I think they, I guess in a, in a sentence, they pulled it off, uh, in my opinion. Um, like you guys were saying, it's so many characters, and before the film was kind of a wonder, like, are they going to be able to make 
like any sort of coherent story um, with so many characters, so many stars, uh, so many egos, and they managed to, they yeah, they did it. Yeah, yeah. That, I think that's what one of the things that's most astonishing about it is is the amount of characters that are in this movie and how they they've managed to to juggle it. You know, mm. um, Rich, how about you, man? What was your like initial thoughts on on the movie overall? Yeah, I, I left it. I, I left the cinema just like really, really liking it, dude. Like, I can't. I, I mean, obviously, there's a couple of things I, I, I will always question and you know feel a bit this, this you know feel a bit sad about. But it's an infinite. Like, listen, I, I've been waiting for something like this from when Infinity Gauntlet first came out. So, like I always say, whenever I've seen you know superhero films where I see like th this what Marvel the MCU have been doing for the past 10 years I've only ever dreamt about this so to see a character like Thanos on screen like like fuck me man like I, I was happy man it, it, I, was, I was very very happy with it I, I you know th that's it it's, it's literally just that man I watched it in a cinema with about 10 other people on a Wednesday night literally just it was a cinema was empty I was actually quite shocked and yeah it, it was just like the best feeling man I, I really can't knock it man no doubt. I think like I, when I went to go and see it, um, I think it was about maybe halfway through that I realized that my mouth was hurting. Uh, <laughs> and I was like, why is my mouth hurting? And I realized it was because I just had a stupid cheesy grin on my face like the whole time from the moment it started. Because from the moment the movie started, I was just in, you know, and, and literally I was kind of, I was doing that thing that I don't always do, but I do when I'm into something. And it's when I completely black out and forget that there's everybody else around me and it's just me and the movie. And I had my two hands underneath my chin and my elbows on my knees and I was sitting forward in the chair. When I came out <laughs> of that cinema, I had backache because I'd been sitting in such a stupid angle because I was so engrossed by everything that I was seeing on the screen. It was just crazy, man. Absolute crazy. But um, yeah, I guess we, we might as well kind of start at the beginning and start with arguably the the biggest character in in the movie in Thanos um now you know we were warned like the you know Kevin Feige the president of Marvel Studios warned us like this guy is the biggest and baddest villain you guys are ever going to see in the MCU and from the moment the movie started we got introduced to him and it was like yo curtains because I felt like to me it kind of felt a bit like when I first saw Darth Vader for the very first time in Star Wars, um, I got chills, you know, and, and I'm familiar with the, the Thanos character from the comic books. Um, and he's always kind of done that for me in the comic books as well. So the fact that they were able to do that in the movie was, was um, for me just an amazing achievement. Um, Alvin, what did you think about how the, the way the, the movie started in terms of just kicking off like almost immediately after um, for Ragnarok, did you find find that to be quite seamless, or did it feel a bit weird to be just kind of dropped straight into the movie like that? Uh, for me, it it didn't feel. I know they to start off with a bang, uh, and they they literally did. Um, it, it didn't feel too weird because I know for a fact that there's definitely a little bit of time before, um, you know, the scene towards the end of Thor Ragnarok, the mid credit scene, and the actual ending of. Thor Ragnarok um, before like the credit titles uh, there's actually a period of time in between there uh, so there are some characters that we don't see from Thor Ragnarok um, in this movie who 
probably survived, uh, sort of like Valkyrie and, and Korg and Meek. Um, but yeah, it was a good place to start. Uh, it was interesting. And some fucking cool stuff happened straight away. And it just kind of set the tone for the whole thing because it just it didn't it just didn't stop from there, especially from the we have a Hulk moment and that fight <laughs> and Hulk being taken out was just like when you take out one of the biggest weapons, you're fucked. <laughs> Everyone's gonna get rushed. So I, I was just a oh man, it was just so sick to see. And um and you had to have him like deliver like a chilling kind of like monologue. You know what I mean? To kind of say how much of a badass he was and what he did to Loki as well and how he knew that was coming. It, it was just like, yeah, this guy's fucking not only is he bad, he's fucking calm about it as well. You know what I mean? So he's got his shit together. Mm, mm, mm. That's what that's what really got to me as well was the calmness of him throughout that that opening. The, there was a, a cold kind of calculation to what he was doing and that's what I, I absolutely loved. Um, because again, if you're familiar with Thanos, that's, that's kind of his thing. But sorry, go ahead, Mr. Sorry, I was just going to add into that, that it kind of, it set the tone for, I mean, because, you know, it covered the base for those comic book people who know Thanos and have known about him for years. And the first time they saw that face smile at the end of the Avengers, and it turned to the side and smile, I was in the cinema, so many people went, Who's that? And there were people who I could hear though who were comic books who went, Oh, Thanos, we know who that is. It's about to go down. <laughs> so then when he came from the very beginning and the coldness of like the way he killed Loki in front of Thor and with the line, no resurrection. That was cold blooded. Mm. Not only that, and I've been waiting to say this, but the way he fucked up the Hulk was by far it was just a cold moment because we have never seen the Hulk handled like that, mm. ever. Thor smacked him up on the ship. Cool. They had their little beef in Thor Ragnarok, but, you know, obviously, you know, the guy shocked him, ruined the whole thing. But we've never... And when, cause when he said we have a Hulk and then Hulk rushed him, I went, oh, shit. Hulk's <laughs> going to do something. Obviously, not going to do a lot because... But, okay, yeah. And then they said let him have his fun. I went, uh-oh. <laughs> and at that moment, people turned around and Thor went UFC, MMA, John Cena, Big Boss Man, walked <laughs> it was epic. Just to see the whole lady there all bleeding and bloody, oh wow. That was just, it was good. And then Heimdall, which was, you know, that was, that was like the first time when I, in the whole film where I went, <gasps> oh. The dreadlock Avenger is cool, and you know he's the first to go. It's always the black guy is the first one to go. <laughs> <laughs> well, to be fair, I think Idris Elba was was quite happy to get out of his Marvel contract anyway because he's he's not been happy with it in in general. So. Um, they probably did him a favor anyway, but yeah, <laughs> that, that was kind of cold. The way the man just just stabbed him up one time was just like <laughs> that was a mistake. <laughs> Bang, stabbed him in the heart. I was like, raw. Okay. <laughs> um, Nigel, how about you, man? Uh, I mean, how did you did Thanos kind of meet your expectations in in that opening scene in terms of um, setting up the the way that the character is and his threat to to the heroes? Yeah, I mean, I. 
So I had to adjust my expectations um, in that first scene because I kind of thought there'd be a little ramp up. So, you know, you go to the cinema, you sit down, you like you take in your surroundings, you go through the first few minutes of the film, and then something happens. That's what I was expecting, but that didn't happen. It just we went straight into it, um, so I didn't get any time to rest. Just okay, he's he's just taking people out, and he's just grabbing Thor like he's nothing and the Hulk comes and he's smashing up the Hulk. Okay, we're in it. This is it. It's happening right now. So I think from that early bit, they just set the tone uh, immediately. And it was good the way they did um, the battle between him and Thor, because like Mr. was saying, you sort of thought, okay, so obviously Thanos is, is somebody, but they've got the Hulk. So that's going to measure up to him. But, when oh what's the guy's name the um uh the one from the, the black order ebony Moore? yeah when he just like held it held him back so just just let him have his fun it's like oh this ain't gonna go how i, <laughs> how I thought it was gonna go because <laughs> because that guy's calm uh thanos is kind of calm wait what don't i know and then he just like switched that up on the hulk so i think that just set the tone is like if you know if you had any doubt that Thanos is a formidable opponent. Let's just set that straight in the first five minutes. So, yeah, uh, I like it. They didn't waste any time just setting the tone and getting into the film. Mm. Mm. Absolutely. Rich, I've saved two um, geeky questions for you as our resident comic book geek and and, um, know-it-all. So question one for you is, um, with regards to that scene with Hulk and Thanos, do you think because this is something I've seen floating around online, um, but I'd be interested for your take. Do you think Thanos was using the Power Stone at the time that he fought the Hulk? And leading on from that, did you regret not seeing Thanos in Xandar getting hold of the Power Stone to begin with? Yeah, I was, I was actually going to say that. So uh, I, it, it's weird because as much as I'm happy with the film, not, it's not, there's things that I wish I, as a comic book fan, there's things that I wanted to see because obviously like I'm a fan of the MCU, but then where I'm like, I, I've read the comic books as well and I'm familiar with the Nova cause or the Nova Court in the comic book. So I wanted to see how they'd be, they'd be portrayed again um, in, in, in this thing and how they would have been taken out. So, so I, I did feel cheated. I felt cheated that we never saw what happened to Xander. That's, that's number one. And because essentially they are they are the police force of of the galaxy mm. so I, w- I wanted to see how this guy is going to take him out because the last time it, it it last time it took um what the um was it ronan yeah ronan the accuser with, with, with the power stone as well so I, w- I wanted to see what considering that thanos didn't have the power stone how he would have basically or how him and the black quarter would have actually just raised hell on xander to get that stone so i'm, I'm upset that i didn't see that um and I felt a bit cheated that it was told in just in just passing. Um, now, between him and the Hulk, I think is one of those things where you're always going to have like, it's always going to be up for debate. Thanos, give or take, is X amount strong. So he, he's easily in like the 100 tons or the, the, the plus 100 tons um, uh, strength category. The thing is, the thing that people seem to forget is that the Incredible Hulk, his standard level of strength isn't up to par even with thor in his calm state remember he's the character that the stronger he gets the the, um, the angrier he gets the stronger he gets so when he entered this fight 
<laughs> with Thanos, I think it was just him. It was just him just being a cocky fuck, where he's literally just spent the, the past couple of years. He's he's had the throw his ass a couple of times. He's had the fight in an arena. He's had the fight over Big Dog in you know <laughs> in in Thor Ragnarok, and then like and then like this guy with like you know like Peter Cole says this guy with a purple face and like a scrotum for a chin comes along, and he's like ah oh, just another one to add on the on the bedpost, and he just goes in there like just not expecting that. And to be fair, I don't think Thanos was using the power stone. I just think that it it, it that scene alone perfectly sums up Thanos in how he handles that fight. It's not about strength. It's about basically just seeing what that other person is capable of doing. And once you figure that out, it's just saying, okay, then cool. I know what you're about. And I'm just, I'm just going to work you. It was, you know, it was, this was the intergalactic version of Floyd Mayweather versus Conor McGregor. You know that first, you know, you know, you know when the first round, I'm like, I know I'm kind of, kind of going off tangent, but like everyone's going, yeah, McGregor's got a hard punch, and I was fooled as well. I'm a, I'm a McGregor fan, and then he came in, and McGregor threw some, some jabs on Mayweather's face, and it was just like tap, tap, and then they go to their corner after their first round, and I was like, shit, I'm actually happy I didn't bet money on this because I would have been a broke man, and like, and it, that just sums up how Thanos deals with everything. Like he's just, he's just somebody that's two steps ahead. And even if he's not two steps ahead, he's able to adapt to the situation. And I love that. But do I think he, do I think he was using a power stone? No, I don't think he needed to. I, th I think he, he's just that smart. And, and like, and like, and that's the reason why, um, I think, you no, know, Corvus Glaive basically just says, yeah, let him have his fun. He's been, you know, he's been in the sidelines. He, he know he knows what this is about. So yeah, he didn't need a power stone to handle the Hulk. Cool. Cool. Fair enough. Well, thank you for clearing that up, man. Um, yeah, as, as said, like it's hard for me to add anything to what you guys have said. You pretty much have, <laughs> have nailed that opening on the head. Um, I mean, I think we all expected Loki to die, um, but the way that it was done, the brutality yeah. of it. Not that quick, though. Right? He didn't even make the credits. The opening credits. The brutality of it did shock me um, because I went to a, a, a second showing because I've seen the movie twice, listeners, because that's how I roll. Um, and in the second showing, there were a lot of kids because I went early in the morning and um, I kind of glanced to my left and I saw a couple of parents like covering kids' eyes when <laughs> Thanos choked Loki to death um, because it was an unexpected level of brutality, I think, from, from these films. But again, as, you, as pretty much all of you have said, you know, it's, it's kind of what the movie needed because it set the tone. It told us that, yeah, we're not in Kansas anymore. Like, this is... It, it, shit is, as Mr. O said, shit is getting real now. So, you know, it's 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 not a game. <laughs> so, yeah, so taking out them guys is cool. The, the, the thing is, you know the bit, you know the bit that got me when he fought against the Hulk? I was like, every time you've seen the Hulk fight somebody, right? There's that bit where he like, he might get hurt, but that anger comes in and the strength just kicks in and he just shrugs it off. But there's one bit where they're kind of like trading blows. And Thanos does like a because I've only seen it once, so I can't tell you exactly what it was. But Thanos kind of like kind of blocks it and then does like a little like a jab in, his, in the Hulk's throat or something. Yeah. And the Hulk just goes, oh. and I just, Yeah, and I, and I just went, wow. Like just wow, like you know, you know, you know what it is? That's like that's that's like you and your boys going to fight and you go to someone else's hood, and you're like, yeah, like, I brought my boy, he's the toughest guy. And you see your boy get into you no know that fuck it, you know what it is? You see Snatch when they go to get the caravan after they've been gypped and they take Gorgeous George mm. and Gorgeous George gets knocked out by, by One Punch Mickey and then Tommy's just there and the gypsies are arguing over who's gonna, how they're going to kill him. That's what that scene was like. It was just like, I've just come with my muscle and you've just taken my muscle out. 
Like, I might as well just wipe my room. What do you do? <laughs> wipe my room now. Yeah, exactly. What do you do apart from cry? That jab he gave him in the throat. The very first time when I watched the raid and the fight started, and I was like, wow! No, this was possible. <laughs> and another beautiful thing about the fight, which it's later on, is when he's now having problems about turning into the Hulk. My theory is that because Thanos literally handed him his ass, yeah, he's like, yeah, you know what? I'm just gonna stay in here for now. And yeah, again, that's what I was thinking. Yeah, it's just like, yeah, you know what? You can take this one, Bruce. I'm cool. Yeah, we're gonna go into the theories um very, very soon, man. So hold fire on that one, Mr. We'll but we'll get to that. Um so guys, we, we went from pretty much that that blistering and, and as a quite brutal opening straight to New York City um and meeting Doctor uh, Strange and, and Wong. Um, who have a nice kind of back and forth there. Um, and that was kind of like a, a, a thing that plays out a lot through the movie in the sense that it jumps from, you know, multiple locations. So um, I guess, well, we can start with you, Mr. O. How did you feel about um, the pacing of the movie and the way that it jumps between different locations at different times and shows you kind of uh, events occurring, you know, at the same time a, a, across these different uh, places that the characters are did you did you feel that worked as a whole or did it distract you in any way from from the story i um i read um i see i saw a lot of reviews and a lot of critics saying that they didn't like that aspect of it because found too much and it was too much for them to all kind of pay attention to when you literally have to look at everything they had to achieve in that film there was no way they couldn't move it around and separate everyone the way they did but the way that they did it was everyone was working towards a common goal which was Thanos and the Infinity Stones and it forward and the way that they had to mix people together and you know move again move people around not just on different, different planets they I feel that it was necessary to keep the story moving fluidly because to not do that you'd be stuck in having the, the Avengers on Earth, the Guardians of the Galaxy in space and you know Thanos bringing the two together but it kind of separated them and mixed them up which I absolutely loved because again it's like with Civil War when you just saw everyone running towards each other at the same time and it was just like ooh <laughs> I mean, I mean, and even for the comic book nerd in me like having the Hulk crash through the Sanctum Santorum when in the comics it was the Silver Surfer it's just you know I appreciate those little nods while still being able to make everything work so I really liked it Cool, cool. Um, Alvin, how about you? How, how did you feel about the the pacing and, and the multiple locations? I really liked it, man. Because normally, what happens when I when I watch a movie is that when you get to the middle, kind of it lulls a little bit, and you get a, your mind may wander. Uh, and this didn't allow for any of that because there was so much going on, and it made it feel like it was less than two and a half hours long. I felt like it was a quite a short movie, but it obviously wasn't. But there's so much going on that 
like I was I was in like I liked all these little stuff. I wanted to know as to how they'd all connect. The best kind of analogy for it that I've seen online is it's it's like watching an episode of Game of Thrones, like how there's yeah, all these different exactly the same thing. that then just kind of links up and some store some characters go from one story to a different story and then you've got this one story that separates into two stories but then comes together here and I liked all that. You, you can't have you can't do this movie the same way you did, say, the first Avengers, which is that they all get together and fight a massive battle. That would have been fucking boring. You had all these little different stories going on that all converge, and I just thought it was a perfect kind of thing to do because it just gave the film enough breathing space for pretty much everyone, more or less, to at least do something and at least to have interesting things happen to them. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, when I initially came out of it, um, you know, me and Rich spoke about this and, and rich you can chime in in a bit um and we were talking about the the pacing um and you know initially we we both kind of felt that it took us out the movie at times but having watched it a second time i actually think that they made the right decision to to do it the way they do it because um as you know you've already said both you and mr o have said it it it, it it's impossible for me to think of another way in which they could have done this, pulled this off with this many characters um, and kept it all, you know, fairly linear in terms of the, the way the story is told. It, it was going to have to go off um, in different tangents. And, and the Game of Thrones analogy is a really good one, actually. Alf. Yeah, um, I agree with that. It, 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 you know, that's a good way to kind of look at it in a way. Um, so, yeah, you know, the, the, it, it, I've changed my mind on that. I, I think it works. I do think it works. But Rich, um, how about you? I mean, I know you've you, you've not seen it um, again since that first day, but do you still feel that the um, the pacing, um, not an issue, but did that it took you out of the movie slightly? Well, the thing is, it like I said, like see, I look at it when I said that. I said it as somebody who's just watching film. Hmm. So I, I so I I mean, it's one of the things where I don't know how else they could have done it that's the thing so i couldn't even think of a, a better way of how they could even even told this story to be fair mm. um and essentially it, it that is how it would happen in a comic book anyway like you know like it, it would switch to multiple locations which is one of those things where it's something that we haven't really had in the mcu before as well so maybe that's why it kind of it kind of stands out um but then it's just one of those things where i think like i said i'm looking at it from, from, a, from a film from a film viewpoint Whereas like where like I've spent or we have spent the last 10 years knowing how this story is going to end up anyway, it's, it's a lot easier. So it didn't bother me in that respect of being a fan. I just looked at it as somebody who's just looking at it as, as a film. Uh, and let's say somebody who hasn't maybe watched some of the Marvel films and, and they've gone into this just following the hype and saying, OK, I want to see what this is. And the, and the multiple locations is just literally just throwing people off. So, so, so that's, that's, that's how I looked at it. So it wasn't that I was necessarily upset about it. I just looked at it from like a, a film standpoint. And then when I go into my TV, I'm just like, ah, well, you know, it is what it is. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair enough, I would say. Um, Nigel, did you want to add anything? Did, how did you feel about the, the pacing of the, the movie as well? Yeah, well, I mean, naturally, the pacing was quite quick. Well, like I say, from the beginning. Um, I think with the switching locations, it's one of those things that you then come into the comparison between comic books and movies where there's things you can do and have been done naturally in comic books for, you know, since the beginning that um, your average movie audience has to 
kind of now come to terms with um, with this film and um, possibly others more so. So uh, Alvin mentioned that the Game of Thrones thing. When I was watching it, I just got that sense like I was watching an episode of Game of Thrones and how they had the challenge of having to deal with so many characters all spread out in different places and still weave together a, a coherent story from that. Um, so that was something I was expecting and kind of, oh, how, how are they going to handle this? Um, but I was okay for, with it. I think one of the things I, I've noticed in comics, how they handle it, I mean, it's, it's easier to do in comics anyway, switching, you know, from one panel, you're in one part of the galaxy, another panel, you're in on the other side, it's fine. But uh, one of the, the, uh, the strategies they use with comics is they'll link uh, dialogue to, together with scenes. So you might have a character end a particular uh, scene with a line that then links to the next scene in a different location. Uh, and I think they try to do some of that uh, here, uh, as well as just having, you know, you sort of subtitles to say when we're now here, just to make that to make that clear. So um, I think just from where the story is right now, there's just no way around it. People are in different places, so you have to um, you have to follow them around wherever they are. Uh, and I think they did a, a decent job of trying to link together sort of one character in this part of the the universe with another um across across the way so i was okay with it cool 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 fair enough yeah sounds all good to me um yeah let's move on man uh boy well this is <laughs> this is one of the fun questions that I, I, i've been itching to, to ask you guys um what were some of the the standout scenes for you and, and the scenes that really kind of like got your hairs on on, on end and goosebumps on your arms because for me this movie felt like a, a two and a half hour highlight reel and that's not to be negative <laughs> about it that's just because there's so much stuff that I was geeking out on so many different levels as a, as a movie fan as a comic book fan as a Marvel fan as an MCU fan they just they've managed to pack in like so much um so Rich Kid we'll, we'll start with you bro um what were some of the the scenes that that still stand out to you now um that Hulk, fight, that Hulk fight, obviously, that, that stands out. Hmm. Um, you know what? To be fair, it was a lot of the, a lot of the emotional stuff really, really stood out to me. Like those scenes, um, I, I think, because I think we're, we're all going to choose quite, quite a few, quite a few similar things. So I'll, I'll just say a couple, then I'll just chime in if somebody else is going to say something that I would have chosen. Hmm. But um, the bit where Thor and Rocket Raccoon are going to go and basically, you know, forge um, Stormbreaker. And basically, and Rocket Raccoon ends up having that little man-to-man -man talk with, with Thor. And it's just, it's just that range of emotion that Thor's going through, where it was like, he, it, it just felt like a mixture of sadness, fear, and anger. Like, you've, like you know, like, and it's not something that we're, that we're basically accustomed to seeing Thor do. Like, he's very much been that, warrior who comes who doesn't understand and then now he's that warrior who's got that little bit of humor that, that keeps him that keeps him going and just the minute when you see him basically get everything he's ever wanted all he's ever wanted to do is just to be king of asgard anyway and have his hammer he's had all of that stuff taken away from him and then he kind of like got like replacements for it so he didn't end up being a loser in the end and then just as he's found that happiness it gets taken away from him again and it gets taken away from him in the worst way possible where he literally was not able to do anything 
Mm. And it was that yeah. helplessness that we've yeah, it was that helplessness that we've never seen. Like there's there's that bit where he just where I mean Rocket Raccoon is just basically like, you know, like, you know, but didn't you say that this guy just beat you before? And then you see that little bit of like that little spark of what Thor of what makes Thor where he's like, Yeah, but he's never beat me twice. And it, it doesn't make sense, but you know where he's coming from. But even after he says that, he wipes the tear away from his eye. And it's like Fucking yeah, that was just that was just in that was just intense, man. You know? Yeah, when he says, What more have I got to lose? And then Rocket's like, Yeah, yeah. I've got everything to lose. That was yeah. Yeah. that was cold. There was yeah. that, that so, was like, oh. and, and and you're like you said, Rocket's had those moments because in the second Guardians of the Galaxy, when him and Yondu are they have their little moments of you know, they're alike. So Rocket's quite emotional and for him to have that with Thor who's literally yeah. just lost everything. Yeah, mm, it was mm. right. Yeah, so yeah, so so so, de so definitely definitely that scene got me. Um is is it, is it okay if if it is it okay if I jump because because I'm only going to do two because I know I can rattle on sometimes. Is it okay if I choose just like the one the one of the scenes at the end that that happens for me that that really got me. So is the bit where everybody's basically just turned to dust or disappeared or whatever it is you, you, you think has happened. And Captain America sits down and he just goes, my God, that got me because you've never seen Captain America like this. Like he's it. What I saw there is basically somebody who's like, we've lost. That's it. Whenever you've seen Captain America, like there's a reason why Captain America is the leader of the Avengers. Like, you know, you know who he is? He's like Beckham. He's like what Beckham was on the West Squad, on the Manchester United team or the England team. He's not the best player, but when he's on your squad, there's that little bit of vitality and that little bit more energy where you just, where you just give that little bit more. The same thing, like, you know, like in, in Avengers Assemble, when they have the battle and Tony Stark goes to basically goes, okay, Captain, you're up. This is what you're good at. In, Aven in Avengers Age of Ultron, the bit where they're all protecting like the little handle thing um, for, the, for the island of Sokovia. And then basically when, you know, Ultron's asking him, you know, how, you, how do you expect to pull this off? And Iron Man basically just says, yeah, like the old man said, we'll do it together. So, so he has that thing. So for him to, and he says, like, he just kind of like sitting down and just kind of just, as he says it, if I remember correctly, he, he, he kind of has this kind of like a slump and he just says, my God. And there's been there's a running theme throughout all of the avengers movies not the mcu universe but just the avengers movies so in the first one you've got basically they what we consider what in the comic books as guardians are, are considered the gods but in in the field in the mcu they're just basically like a higher version of humans give or take the same way how they describe them their science is like basically you call it you call it magic but it's just our version of science so you've got that level of somebody trying to attain godhood and that's in loki right and there's, a, there's that bit where captain america says the whole thing of like you know what um i've i i don't believe that man's god or something along the lines of like i don't think god addresses like that or he doesn't wear horns and he's referring to loki being all extravagant and stuff like that and then you've got the second avengers movie where they fight against another thing which is the evolution or what, what can be considered the evolution of the human race uh in ultron and basically and um and and vision and you've got basically one person who's now being created who is a step up from the human race and the person who created that person is trying to play god and he wants to he wants to attain that that next thing and then you've got this person who comes in and he attains that godhood 
So he's won and there's nothing he can do. And so that bit where, where Captain America just says, my God, it, he, he's just lost. And that really, really got me because at that point I was just like, wow, like if, if he's given up or if, if, if he's down and out, then who's going to, he's basically going to pick up everybody's, you know, pick up everybody's spirits. So those two scenes really, really got me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. Well, you got us off to a good start there, man. Um, Nigel, how about you, bro? Yeah, actually, well, on the Captain America thing, when um, when I went to see it in the cinema and he made his first appearance, there was a, there was actually a cheer that went around the cinema for Captain America. So that was like a, a, a big moment where, uh, and I think just the that sequence itself where you had, um, um, like, was it, yeah, they were in Scotland and you had Scarlet Witch and Vision sort of on the run from uh, members of the Black Order and you know these two like formidable sort of opponents where you know they weren't just taking them out easily they were being they were being matched and even it looked like they might be like bested and then all of a sudden captain america shows up and he has um uh proxima midnight just you know that's just spirit and he just catches it it's like oh that moment is like okay we're fighting back now so i think that was a that was a big moment and then from there like the cheer just went up and everyone was like yeah let's fight back and let's let's uh let's see what we the good guys can do from this mm-hmm. yeah think- that was just brilliant that scene the way it was framed the way it was like put together and stuff was just was just brilliant and it was the same for me as well and the second showing i went to like people went nuts when uh, <laughs> captain america stepped out of the shadows like yeah yeah people were crazy that um, was i think um i'm trying to think like there's yeah there's so many that Mm. <laughs> I think if I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna also skip to to the end um, and just when uh, basic visions death. Mm. So I thought of all the deaths. His was the most hard hitting, even though mm. like he wasn't necessarily the the character that I cared about the most. But still, the way he got taken out because you had again, and it just came from that sort of emotional moment of uh him and um Scarlet Witch their sort of their arc through the through the film coming up to this head where you had she had to destroy him. So you already had this highly charged emotional moment where it, you know she's trying to destroy or has to destroy um the the person that she loves. So you've already got that when she uh, she does it and then you know, using the time stone to pull him back. So then you've got that that moment of hope, like, oh, wait, no, he's back alive. Oh, but wait, he's now, you know, <laughs> Thanos has got him. And not only has he got him, like, he ripped that stone out. Like, you know, um, I mean, you guys right like, you know, like kids on Christmas Day where they just, like, rip up the presents. <laughs> There's, like, no, no care to the packaging. Or not. I, just, I need to get at what's inside. <laughs> And then they just dashed the, the package in the side. That's what it was like. You just grabbed him, just take the stone, like whatever, I've got some brain or I've got some bits. Um, oh, that, that don't matter. Man's brain. Don't yeah. I'm just going to grab, because, you know, like to Thanos, this is Christmas Day. Like, and I just pulled this thing. I need the stone, dash the, dash the uh, package into the side. Like, wow, that's how, <laughs> that's how he's been taken out. Okay. But yeah, so that was just like a... Uh, a tough moment to have that, you know, coming from a already emotional place, to be given the hope of him come, bringing, being brought back to life, and then just being discarded in 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 that mm. way. Mm. 
so essentially so essentially he died twice that was the yeah. fucked up thing about it <laughs> he died twice like i met yeah like imagine that like because to me that 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 got me as well mm. because the look in his face when the time stone does bring him back yeah and he really and he just sees Thanos standing in front of him you're just like what wait 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 a minute <laughs> like, yeah that that was that was fucked up that, that was that was definitely effed up and he and he didn't just like put his two fingers in and then pull he put his finger in the top of his and then scooped it and left yeah. a big impression and then just like yanked it like yeah thank you <laughs> it felt like he was scooping out the last grains of rice from the bowl right? yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i love that thank you yeah and as he said nigel like like a kid on christmas just dashed away the wrapping was yeah that, like after you've got it it doesn't matter yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're here for the stone yeah yeah um alvin how about you man was there a standout scene for you uh yeah the fight in thanos on titan and <laughs> It's the bit where he kind of like looks back at that like moon in the sky and then he just makes a fist and he's using the infinity gauntlet to like pull down rocks from the planet and using this using the power stone and the space stone at the same time to kind of teleport them into titan so they mm. fall to the ground it was just fucking i was just like it gives you a proper good idea as to like he's almost like limitless power yeah you know what i mean so just like it was because i wasn't expecting it because i'd heard something about someone mentioned that one time on the internet and i read it somewhere but they didn't describe it like that and then when i saw it i was like shit this guy means fucking business and then it was just like it was just ultimate freaking power uh and then also this is just something that i like i just like seeing all the time because i think it's cool i call it hand jazz and it's what Doctor Strange does when yeah. he's like, do so, you know? <laughs> all the cool shit he does with his hands. I call it hand jazz. I don't know what else to like call that. it, but <laughs> like if, you watch, if you watch the Blu-ray, if you watch the Blu-ray of Doctor Strange, they actually hired a guy to kind of yeah. choreograph the moves for his hands. And this guy does finger dancing and all this kind of weirdness. But yeah, anytime I see Doctor Strange do something with his hands, I'm, I'm into it. Um, and yeah, so yeah, all that Titan shit was really cool as well. And also... Just finally having it confirmed that the Red Skull was alive, mm. or alive oh. in a way, because when I saw Captain America: The First Avenger, when I first saw it, I thought, "Oh, he's dead." But when I saw it in Blu-ray, and I'm like, "It doesn't seem like he's dead because he's not disintegrated. It looks mm. like he's been transported." And then when I saw Avengers, and you see that the Tesseract is a doorway, I was like, "Yeah, it definitely got transported somewhere." And just to have that finally confirmed, and to see him. And see what he's evolved into was just like I wasn't expecting it. So when he came out of the shadows, I was just like, "Fucking hell, it's the Red Skull!" Finally, some confirmation about that. And mm. then, yeah, it was just cool seeing that as well, man. But but yeah, there's, obviously there's plenty more freaking moments. Like mm. like Nigel was saying, the Cap moment. I lost my shit. Like because it had the theme as well. <laughs> you know what I mean? When did it in? And also, it's just the fact that Proxima Midnight was looking, going, what's behind that train? Mm. Use that. And then when that happened, I was so, it was fucking. I'm, I'm, I'm actually going to go do some push ups now. You're just getting <laughs> yeah. me gassed, bro. <laughs> 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 yeah. Just moving up from my line, like, oh yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Something starting. Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> Yeah, man. Trust me. Trust me. I said this. There's just so many scenes. I mean, uh, Mr. O, how about you, man? Uh, was there anything that, that really kind of got the hairs to stand up for you? I mean, there's, as, as we said, there's loads. <laughs> to 
the problem with asking me now is every scene that has come before me I've wanted to say about. Um, mm. I, I think I'm going to go for my two. See, I want to have three. But, okay, my two is the the moment when Thales and Gamora go to get the soul stone. And like, like, like I said, like knowing that the Red Skull was still alive, having that payoff ever since that film, because I was like, him, he didn't get disintegrated. He sort of was sucked into wherever the power was sending him. But then to not have that touched in, you know, Winter Soldier, Civil War, even up to, so then leaving it up to now, I was like, I did actually shout out, oh, it's the Red Skull. And people looked at me and I would look at them like, okay, I wish you would look at me. This is um, that whole scene, one with him, find out Red Skull's alive, but then like the emotional moment when Thanos was crying and Gamora was like, uh, who are you though? Do you even care about anyone? Look at you. All you do is just be powerful. And then Red Skull goes, he's not crying. Just like, yes. <laughs> and her face was like, yeah, well, you were... Oh. Uh, yeah, oh. I see what's happening here. <laughs> And then there was that moment where he didn't just like grab her and throw it. He grabbed her like, like a note, like he was taking his child to the dentist who didn't want to go to the dentist. And she was hitting him and it was just, and it was slow motion. And then they had that long shot, like a, like a 300 shot on the, on the end of the cliff where mm. you could just see the to the edge. And then it was just like, oh, dude, don't do it. And even as he threw her, she was reaching up like, don't, oh. And then they showed her laying there dead. It was like, oh, she's definitely gone. Emotional death for me, emotional moment. And then he ended up with a soul stone. Been like, he do that, don't even get the soul stone. <laughs> That's me to me because, and I was hoping the red skull was kind of trying to con him. And then you know, that's just me going off into a tangent. Um, I think. My last bit, because I was going to choose the whole Latin, because when Quill, when he found out there, that was deep, because he ruined the whole fucking thing. Hmm. But my second one that I'm definitely going to choose is the last moment when Thor, up in Wakanda, left every fucking thing through the Stormbreaker power of each power stone that Thanos threw a, a beam at him that was showing the light from each and every stone. The Stormbreaker went through it and <laughs> hit him in the and still hit him in the chest, showing you that Stormbreaker is not just some bitch ass is not some bitch ass weapon. Mm -hmm. and it was the sinister way that Thor put the thing in his chest and he said, I told you you were going to pay for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was like, hell yeah, hell yeah. You, yeah, you killed my brother in front of me. I went off and I built some mad shit and I'm going to throw it at you and hit you in the chest. And I was like, Thor's done it. Thor saved the day. And yeah, then yeah, Thanos looked at him and said, you should have gone for the head. And he did the thing. <laughs> <laughs> he looked, 
you should have hit me in the head. I went, what? I didn't even have time to register the click until after I heard it. Because then everything went white and I went, oh, he did it! I mm. said that out loud. People jumped around me. Popcorn a little bit. The person sitting next to me jumped out of their sleep. But it was just, again, I, I, I read the comic, so the whole snap of fingers and during the promotion there was the whole talk, there was the talk of, you know, he could end the whole world with snap of his fingers. To actually see it happen, and then the following bits that you know, and everyone who died as a result of it, like mm-hmm. everyone, all the new cats, just gone. And Peter's death was quite emotional for me too. Mm. Yeah, I'm going on. I'm done. <laughs> That's cool, man. That's cool. I mean, yeah, there was a lot of emotional deaths. I mean, definitely um, Gamora uh, and the. the situation with her and and Thanos um, and the Red Skull reveal was amazing and that whole scene the way it was acted by the two of them by Josh Brolin and Zoe Saldana was just mm, perfection brilliant like brilliant writing brilliant acting it was just fantastic the way it was done you know Um, yeah I had one less emotional one sorry say again can I add one one more less emotional yeah yeah yeah. uh, Uh, just like the introduction of the the Guardians of the Galaxy, where you had the uh, the rubber band man playing oh, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. So I'm yeah, I'm kind of like a a fan, like just eighties um, like soul um, music. So when that came on, I was like, yeah, cool, a happy moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this, this is as, as good as it gets. Yeah, yeah. I remember <laughs> that that introduction as well. Thinking, oh, I love that song. Like, yeah. yeah <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but I'm gonna pick some lighter moments because you guys have, have gone deep and heavy. <laughs> so, oh. so to lighten the tone a little bit, I'll I'll pick two lighter moments. One of which was um the scene in New York when um the heroes Iron Man, um Doctor Strange, Wong, um have realized and, and Bruce Banner have, have realized that um two members of, of the children of Thanos have arrived in Ebony Mar and, and Col Obsidian. Um, and I loved the little back and forth between Ebony Ma and um, Iron Man. That was hilarious. Um, and Ebony Ma turns and says to Doctor Strange, "This is chattering animal. Speak for you." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and says, Certainly not. And then does like as Alvin calls it, his hand jazz, and brings up a, a spell. He's <laughs> like, "But you're trespassing on Earth." So yeah time to go and that's when i was like oh shit it's going down it's going down and then um i like the bit when um calypsidian goes forward to to attack and um iron man's saying to bruce banner look like you know if you want peace that anytime you want peace go, come step in you know and that's where he has the, the, the struggle <laughs> with him and the hulk and being unable to perform and, and tony stark t- turns to uh, bruce banner and says Dude, you're embarrassing me in front of me. Yeah. <laughs> I, I lost it. I actually lost it as I lied. I was like, oh shit. <laughs> and then I loved the the introduction of the nanotech armor in that scene as well, where they do the slow mo shot where he's walking and it and it's covering his body. I was like, oh shit, this is this is fucking great, man. I, I did a rich kid at that point and came on somebody's head in front of me. In the <laughs> yeah, that was a good moment because I was, that was great. Because yeah, while that was, all that was happening, I was thinking like. Wait, isn't Tony gonna have to step aside to get his suit before he jumps into this? And they just like appeared on him. Like, oh, okay, he's ready. He's ready. Mm, Listen, that yeah, I love that. 
that was the section where he stood there and then four things just popped out of his back and I went, Oh <laughs> shit. <laughs> from? And I'd heard that obviously he'd upgraded his armor. This was bleeding edge, so it was all the nanobites and all of that. But when those four things just popped out of his back, I went, Oh, oh, he's not playing this time. Tony does good suits, but this new thing, yeah, I like it. Well played. Mm. 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 Uh, Rich, before I get to um, my second pick for the standout scene, um, could mm-hmm. you just quickly explain to, to people what that um, Bleeding Edge armor is? Because we refer to it as Bleeding Edge, but for some people who ain't in the know in comic books, they probably don't even know what that phrase means. So could you just give a little bit of context for, for what that is? Yes, yeah, so, so the Bleeding Edge technology is, is basically, like you said, it's nanotechnology. Um, and it's one of those things where anything that Tony Stark can think of, it it can basically become it. So whether it, so the, for example, the bit where he changes his hand into a cannon, so is 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 it says close to man being machine and machine being the man without them being the same thing. So it, it's it's almost it's almost a symbiote technology. Um, and 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 I think he's I actually think he based some of it off. Of the of the of the venom um the venom symbiote in the comic books if i remember correctly I'm, i could i could be wrong um and it's one of those things where it's like like i said you can basically do anything with that suit but it's within the, the only limit to it is that it has to be what, what's what's the what's the rule behind it again like for example he wouldn't be able to transform himself into a truck mm. so have you in fact have you guys seen big hero six yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, okay. So, so you remember how the how the little nanobots work for um that that hero that uh, that hero creates, mm. but you have to have a certain amount of bots to be able to create a certain type of thing. And there's a bit at the end where he he keeps on making um the the villain create a tower mm. until he gets to a certain height and he actually runs out of nanobots. So essentially, that's how the suit works. Mm. So so it's one of those things where it's like the suit just doesn't grab something from out of the air. Let's say the bit where he's having a fight and um. I think it's on Titan when they're fighting when he's fighting against Thanos mm. and the suit creates like something to give it to make him more stabilized in the ground so he doesn't get pushed back. That's the suit grabbing um that's the suit grabbing a part of another suit from another part, let's say from let's say from his hands or something like that. So it it, it is the best it is like easily one of the best, but he does have his limits. So it's essentially that that's how it works. Mm. Um I, I I love that suit. That's that's easily one of my, my favorite suits. And I I got really upset when they got rid of it in, in the comic book. Mm-hmm. cool man thank you for the explanation um so yeah the the last scene um is probably it's not even a scene you know it's it's a moment it's literally a moment but i think rich kid knows what i'm gonna say it's when they're during um the battle of wakanda and uh, <laughs> the uh the outriders <laughs> kind of throwing themselves against the shield um, so they come up with the idea of opening the shield to let some of them in um, towards them so as the Outriders can't outflank them and, and, and come behind them. Um, so, you know, T'Challa kind of tells Shuri, look, get ready, we're going to open the shield. Um, and they get ready for their charge. And then the shield opens and the Outriders come flooding in. And, um, you know, T'Challa says Wakanda forever and then they all start charging towards the the Outriders and you know he says you know Shuri like um, do it now do it now 
um, and opens the shield, and then you get a shot of like a group of of people running. So you see, you know, Black Panther and Captain America, and you see like this this whole group of um, the Wakandan forces running towards um, the Outriders. And then as the camera kind of um, tracks along with them and zooms out, you realize that Captain America and Black Panther are fucking running like Usain Bolt and yeah. <laughs> <laughs> fucking. Like, miles ahead of everybody else and i was like holy shit like these two were running <laughs> everybody else was running they were running, running. <laughs> and they and then they jumped over that little um that little stream that lake like they, they didn't even run through it they just both jumped over it and dived straight into the middle of the outright i was like oh i'm done <laughs> that that moment for me was just crazy but yeah the, the thing is the thing is, remember, I remember, like, I came in the next day because I saw it, like I said, I saw it at 12 o'clock. Mm. And remember, that's on that Thursday that I saw you. Remember, that's the only thing I said about the film. Mm. All I said to Jason was like, bruv, Captain America and Black Panther running. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> <laughs> and then, and then you know what? And then I just sat down and like, I, I have one of those minds where when I sit down and I don't have a lot of things to do, my mind just, my mind just runs. And I was like... I wish I could because I, I wish I could be good at computers because you know what I would do? I'd actually have that scene of Captain America and Black Panther running and I would superimpose Tom Cruise running from any one of his films <laughs> and just have those three running together and I think it'd be perfect. <laughs> like, I'll tell you, someone's going to um, do a meme of that soon, you know. That yeah, yeah, to, yeah. Someone's going to do a meme of that. Um, but, but, but before we go into the next one, I'll tell you one other scene that really, really got me and I'm not sure if, if anybody actually saw this, but this made my heart fucking skip at least three beats um the bit when dr strange is fighting against thanos and he uses the crimson bands of sitarak to hold him back i was like fuck what you heard <laughs> because like because i know i like like i said i knew there were people in there that were just like oh that's really really cool and i was like you know what it's those little tidbits that just keep on reminding you that the universe is a lot bigger that but what the universe that we're watching is a lot bigger than everybody seems to realize or seems to remember and there's the same little things that they that they mention in dr strange as well so the bit where baron mordo gets the staff of the living tribunal and you get you get those little mentions but obviously like just seeing the he doesn't even mention it's the crimson bands of sidsarak but you know what it is and it's just like shit like like the dr strange that we saw and the dr strange that we have now He's he's made leaps and bounds. So mm. the, that scene really, really got me as well. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I love that scene, that, man. That scene was just amazing. I just wanted to add to that, to that that whole the battle on Titan, the combination of Iron Man, Doctor Strange, Spider Man, and Peter Quill. The way that Doctor Strange was using his portals, yeah, them out was mm. excellent because there was that moment where Spider Man was zipping in and out was jumping on the things and then he sort of put the grenade on the back of Thanos's back yeah like he backed, yeah. backed off with the and then he just jumped and then listen and then Mantis I was like oh Mantis great where did she come from worked the whole thing and yeah. then when, okay I, I want to see if this was only me when Thanos Tony was I the only one who thought shit this is where Tony Stark goes Mm -mm. Yeah, yeah, not at all. I thought that as well. Yeah, just because there's this obviously there's the big talk of you know heads are gonna roll, who knows who's gonna be here, who's coming back. Um, but I actually thought that was it. 
and he was gone. Mm. But well, I, I kind of thought he would before I seen him. So yeah, that was kind of like I thought that was a natural point. That would mm. just naturally happen. Yeah, I think so as well. I mean, I think quite a few. I mean, as said in the um, the first showing I, I went to to see it, um, the audience were quite quiet throughout, to be honest. Um, but through the second showing, like for some reason, it was rowdy. Like there was just a whole heap of Marvel fans in there, and so they were eating up everything. But when he, yeah, when Thanos stabs Tony um, in the chest, there's like this audible <gasps> in the cinema because people were like, "Oh shit! Like, is, is this it then? Like, is this how he goes?" You know. Um, and I think it, it kind of, for all that, that he's been through as, as a character, um, for it to kind of end in that way kind of seemed almost cruel, you know, for him, for all he's been through, for the journey that he's been on from Iron Man 1 up to now, for him to die getting stabbed in the chest on some random planet was, was just like, <laughs> it just seemed cruel, you know? So, like, people were like, shit, like, is this it? But then you see him kind of cauterize the wound and you're like, okay, well. Yeah, he's gonna be all right then. Um, but yeah, man, that that was a that was a powerful bloody scene for sure. But I mean, we could go on about scenes forever and ever, but we've still got a few things to to um, iron out before we get there. So let's get on to some of these other ones. Um, in terms of uh, standout acting performances, uh, who were the performers who really kind of went above and beyond with their roles and, and with their characters for you guys? Um, and Mr. Oh, you can start. Off. Uh, I'd have to say Doctor Strange, I think. Mm. Um, Tony Stark is a big one, obviously, because especially when he's always had this thing in the back of his head that something is coming and, you know, this is finally it. But for me, with Doctor Strange, and, um, especially the, the, the battle he had with Ebony, Ebony, Ebony Moore? Yeah. Yeah. Ebony Moore, I just liked the way that Ebony Moore moved. Ebony Moore moved like Pai Mei in Kill Bill. Always with one <laughs> his back, just like, ah, I am not here for these feeble dwellings. You know, that kind of attitude. And, you know, he didn't really move much with his hand, but he dismissive. So that, very dismissive, yeah. So it, having to watch Doctor Strange have to deal with another mag another person who d who deals with magic and also him having to him knowing how to use his power enough to go forward and and view 14 million possibilities that is something that you know he wasn't able to do when by the end of the first doctor strange mm. so uh, and like watching him go hand-to-hand -hand with Thanos with more than one Infinity Stone on his hand and holding his own. Like, when he turned yeah. into, like, multiple strangers and lashed them things at him, I was like, well, goddamn. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> I learned a thing or three. <laughs> and even by the end of it, you know, even when all of it went down and he was just like, it was the only way. Just saying that just says, that there's hope, you know, when he said that there's maybe, there was only one possibility, you're hoping that this was the it, and this was the only way that they could go forward. So I think his journey for me, like as a character, even as an actor, deal 
struggling like with all of the different elements that he had to deal with and still holding on to the character that he was uh he did well mm. Mm. yep for sure he's definitely um an mvp to this movie um nigel how about you man uh was there anybody who kind of stood out to you um in terms of acting performance and, and what their character did uh it was you know it was a, a tough one because just because of the nature of the film he was moving around so fast that people didn't get so much of a chance to maybe show show everything in terms of performance before he had to move on to the next place to the next character um although i, I agree with um uh, dr strange but i think what I, I would say is thanos himself because mm. that was actually one of my biggest concerns going into the film where uh, i've you know you've, you've got this thing where or i've noticed this thing especially with uh, comic book uh, movies where the villain can be a letdown and for me your your hero your your story is only as good as the the villain the challenge that they're up against so when i see a villain that is just like a a pale imitation of um the hero or even worse uh, a villain that's just this cgi um almost cgi strawman just there to sort of be pounded on at the end of the film um i was i was worried about infinity war seeing the trailers and seeing thanos as you know potentially just a, a cgi uh villain and i'm only saying this because alvin already brought it up but <laughs> justice league uh fell into uh into this category like disappointingly where you had the main villain um there really not about anything and i mean the cgi wasn't great anyway but just there was no yeah there's no real motive or i mean obviously there was a motive but you didn't really care about the motive you, he was just there to be beat up on um by superman spoiler spoiler alert but um so yeah when just seeing uh thanos actually acted out by just Brolin and and given some kind of range some kind of uh backstory motivation that you can understand why he's doing what he's doing um and why he thinks it's the right thing to do uh, i thought was yeah I, I thought was great and and avoided what could have been a massive letdown uh in the film and i think also what um what they did with making him sort of the focal point was a good idea because you have you've got this film with so many like i said so many heroes um so many people to sort of see where they're at and where they're going you run the risk of just being too distracted mm. like you can't focus on any bit because you know you've got to give a piece to this person you got to jump to wakanda you got to be back you know here to see what these guys are up to uh but having thanos be almost like that constant through throughout the film uh, gave it that focus so in a way he almost became the protagonist of the film and you're seeing a lot of it through him and what he's doing and he's you know leading through things forward where you see the other heroes sort of reacting or preparing to um to counter him or, or to try and uh and counter him so i thought that's an important part uh, of the film that kept it sort of relatively focused and yeah it was sort of well well done by uh by just rolling mm. yeah, i agree with that definitely happy to see a lot of thanos mm. 
yeah, definitely. Um, Alvin, how about you, man? Yeah, I'm going to have to say Brolin as well, man, because, you know, when it comes to CGI, it can be it can get messy sometimes. And whatever motion capture techniques they used, all the nuance of a face was in there. It was like, those little things like a nose, a nose flare, you know what I mean? Like flaring his nostrils and that. And the way his lips moved and all this, that you could tell it was all kind of like built from the ground up. Like there was definitely no, no kind of like there was definitely no kind of like you know cutting corners or anything like that. And they obviously cared and they put a lot of effort into it. I like it, Daddy. I like what. <laughs> yeah, so as you guys, I tried to keep it quiet, but he's just coming to the room with me and he wants to lay down. Luca, you have to sleep, okay? Okay. Say, say goodnight to everybody. Goodnight to everybody. Okay, night, night. People think I'm a bad parent. It's like to past 10, it's 10 30 and you're still awake. You're gonna get social, they're gonna call social services. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But sorry, go on, Alvin. Continue. Yeah, as I was saying before, I was interrupted by an adorable child. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like, in the eyes, the performance is in the eyes. And, like, especially that scene where he was crying, it didn't look stupid. Like, if, if they if they did shitty CGI, it would yeah. look dumb. I actually felt yeah. bad for him. I was like, as soon as he started crying, I was like, oh, shit, he loves his daughter. Fuck. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, he's going to throw her off the cliff. And that's, that's where it was for me. It was all about, like, the performance and the face. Like, it never felt it, it it felt the same way for me it did with like Rocket Raccoon. It's a CGI raccoon and I'm but I'm not going, oh that's an effect. I'm like, oh it's Bradley Cooper <laughs> like in mm. a, in a midget suit as a raccoon. That's what it feels like to me. It feels like it's actually there in the scene. It doesn't feel like it's slapped on. And I, I just think motion capture is something that we've come like a very long, long way with. And obviously there's things in the past that don't particularly look as good now as they did when they were first done. But you have to start with the crap to get to the good stuff, and I think we're around the area where we're getting to the good stuff because, like, you know, doing Peter Cushing in Rogue One uh, as Tarkin, uh, Snoke uh, in some aspects in um, The Last Jedi, and, and now Thanos. Uh, I reckon, like, it's we can go above and beyond with uh, with motion capture as long as effort is really put in with uh, the effects team and uh, and the actor playing the character. Mm, absolutely. Um, and I mean, it, it, it is Josh Brolin, you know, the, the CGI is, is only as good as the actor who embodies that. And Josh Brolin is, um, you know, he's just terrific as, as Thanos. He's, he, he was just perfect. Um, as you said, they, they did a brilliant job of capturing sort of all of his, you know, facial tics and his movements and the way that he kind of walks and, and things like that. It felt like him on the screen. Um, so yeah, absolutely. For me, he would be, you know, a, a, a real standout. And because this movie really doesn't work if he doesn't, you know, step up, um, mm. and he really does. Um, Rich, uh, round us out. Uh, who was your sort of standout performer? See, I, I was trying to th actually think of, let's say, maybe somebody different, just so it doesn't sound like a broken record. But yeah, but but basically, a Josh Brolin as Thanos. Mm. Like, um, I I, th I think. Uh, he held he actually held the film together mm, mm. As, as far as as far as I'm concerned like he he, he is he is like the, the the linchpin like i said the way how the film was set up is just three basic is three extravagant pieces um 
that kind of that are kind of linked, but only if you know what's going on. But the one running constant thing throughout throughout that was was this character of Thanos and and Josh Brolin just, just he just captured him captured him perfectly. It was it was amazing. And you're talking about that bit where he was crying when he you know when he, when he has to get rid of Gamora um, or kill Gamora. To me, it wasn't even that bit. I mean, that bit was emotional as well. It's it's just that realization when it's her, when he is that realization when he realizes that it's her is that thing like you just like you because you're kind of like clocking on like well, hold on what are they talking about did you just like oh he's gonna have to kill her and then here he, then he realizes the tears comes as standard anyway because he's obviously upset but it's just that thing of that for the first time you've seen this person who essentially is winning and he's can you not touch that please don't touch that yeah, he like he like this this guy's he's two steps ahead of not two stops or maybe even three steps ahead of everybody, but this is the one thing that he never fought, and it was that, is that look in his face where he's like, wow, and then obviously later on when he does go to see Gomorrah, and is that thing of like almost like that that conscience thing where she's like, was it worth it? But it's Although, it's just that look. He he just slaps his face, and he said. <laughs> Ow. And he, and he just ate a loop scrubber. <laughs> Good night. <laughs> Good night. <laughs> Luca, that was cutting analysis. I don't think. Yeah. <laughs> so well done. So, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Well done, Lou. Yeah, so yeah, it's just that it's just that realization on his face when he realizes that he has to get that he has to call Gamora, and and that really pulled up my heartstrings. But um, but yeah, but Josh Brolin, he he easily holds this film together. Like everybody else, give or take. I'm not saying they don't they don't good, they don't do good performances because they do. Um, but by now it's basically what you call in like a phoning performance. Like Robert Downey Jr. is is Tony Stark, so he doesn't have to try hard. Cap, you know, Chris Evans is Captain America. But Josh Brolin, like his portrayal, could have could have easily sunk the ship mm. if if it'd gone if it'd gone either way, and it's one of those things where it has been kind of like a, a running issue in the Marvel in the MCU of villains being throwaways, which has kind of been rectified, obviously, with with characters like Killmonger, um, and Thanos seems to be continuing that trend as well, man. So yeah, so if I had to choose standout performance for this, definitely, definitely, um, uh, Josh Brolin. Fair enough. All right, guys. Well, we've only got about oh, six minutes left, unfortunately. So we're going to have to start wrapping this thing up. But um, before we get to your final scores, um, did anybody have any negatives about the film or anything that didn't quite work for them or perhaps didn't quite deliver what they were hoping for? Um, Rich, do you want to go first? Uh, you know what? Do you really want? You, we've got six minutes left. Do you really want yeah. me to go? Or do you want to save it to the next show? <laughs> <laughs> well, no, just summarize, isn't it? Just, just summarize. Okay. Uh, all, right, all right. Okay. So, um, not seeing Xandar get decimated. Hmm. Um, not seeing Thor get um, taken out by by Thanos. Hmm. And I know this might raise some a few eyebrows with some of you guys, or maybe some of you listeners. But the Battle of Wakanda, hmm. I wasn't yeah. sold on that. I was happy with it, but I wasn't sold on it. I wasn't what I wanted. It wasn't what I expected. Mm, but I we agree. can go into that in the next episode. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I uh, we talked about this, me and you, Rich, and um, you know, I was hoping for like a, a battle of Helm's Deep. 
type scenario yeah. from the Battle of Wakanda, where it was going to be a good, you know, forty minutes of of just of just pure mayhem and, and yeah. chaos, you know. And I felt like we didn't quite get that. And I'm the same as you. I mean, I'm, I'm not unhappy with with what we got. Um, you know, it, it certainly delivered on on some levels, but it and again because of the nature of the movie and what they had to do, it, it's understandable why it wasn't that. But I guess the fanboy in me was just like, yeah, I wanted to to, to really see that um, play out, you know. Um, Mister, oh, how about you? Was there anything you kind of felt a little bit let down by? Listen, my name is Paul, and this shit's between y'all. I was the happiest film. <laughs> Sorry, okay. And and the things, the little things that I may have felt like, oh, maybe they could have added this. Maybe they could have added that. I then just take a step back from that thinking, and then I I'm 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 enjoy I enjoy the whole thing. So all the films leading up to and all the history and all of that like I, I know that's what I said. and um, i take all of that into account and i have to understand and uh, the the battle of wakanda i wanted uh, like you said a lot more just mayhem a lot more seeing people have to use their skills to do what they need to do to survive um a lot more but Again, for everything that they had to do to get the story to flow and work, I was just a happy camper. Cool, fair enough, fair enough. Um, Nigel, how about you, man? So I'm gonna I'm gonna speak for all the people that saw Black Panther uh, as their first like Marvel uh, Cinematic Universe experience and came to see Infinity War, expecting to see more Black Panther and there's not enough Black Panther. I'm just going to speak for those people. Yeah, so I, I think it's just the nature of the film where with so many people, just not just people didn't necessarily get a chance to shine uh, equally. Yeah. Kind of, you, you kind of have to ex, yeah, expect to a certain extent. Um, so it was disappointing to, to not see more of uh, Wakanda and, and particularly the battle. Um, one thing that kind of... I feel it's going to annoy me more in next year um, with Avengers 4, but when everyone or you know people at random started being turned to dust, you know, with the impression that everyone, everyone's dead, I feel like people are going to be brought back. And I think it's another thing in where it's done a lot of the time in comics, uh, but when it comes to movies, it's it's a tricky thing because you're you run the risk of like almost cheapening the experience or cheapening the yeah seeing that you know people people die but then just get brought back so i feel that's going to happen in some way and while it's going to be good to see because you know a lot of favorites of mine sort of bit of dust literally um but to see them being brought back if they, if they do go that way i might feel a bit cheated mm. So I'm like I'm I'm almost pre disappointed for uh, for next year, yeah. Because and I, I did say in a in a previous um, uh, conversation that if Black Panther did get killed, there would be rioting in the streets. So <laughs> I'm gonna give him a chance, but if I don't know when Avengers Four is coming, uh, if he's not brought back, 
I'm I'm planning the riot. I'm just letting you guys know. <laughs> send out invitations and everything, so you'll you'll know when that's happening. But yeah, so I think people are going to be brought back, and it's going to be slightly annoying. Yeah, yeah. I think. Um, I mean, we'll get into this in part two because um, we are running out of time. But I, I don't have a, a theory about that um, because the the way that movie ended, yeah, it, it left. Um, a lot of questions so we, we will get to that but um alvin uh anything that, that disappointed you I, I can't say i'm really disappointed in anything but um <clears throat> i did think kind of like peter dinklage could have done better not that it was terrible but to me it just felt like no one was there he was just saying his lines to a yeah. stick in the mm. corner you know what i mean because obviously he's He's like a dwarf and that in real life, but the dwarves in MCU are like giants, but were with slightly different body composition. Um, but yeah, it just felt like he was just saying his lines to someone who it didn't seem like he was invested in the scene that much. So I was just feeling, yeah. Like, eh. I mean, it was all right and everything, but but yeah, that I think Thor's kind of like kind of his his story really is like when he meets the Guardians and like. When he's at Nidavellir trying to uh, trying to get Stormbreaker, but in the middle he's kind of not given that much to do really, other than travel there, and it's just like there's not a lot going on there. But that's me nitpicking in order to, uh, to kind of find really any problems with it. Other than that, and the fact that not everyone's given equal time to shine, obviously as well. But I don't think those things really neg- um, negatively affected the film. That, that much. I'm finding it actually difficult to find things that I that I didn't, didn't particularly like. Uh, I also think that obviously you can't go and see this film without seeing any other MCU movies at all because you'll be fucking lost as shit. So if people have seen a movie without without seeing any of the other Marvel movies, they're like, I don't understand what's going on. It's yeah. like, well, it's your own Why movie. would you do that? Why would you... <laughs> I'll start with episode 15 of this series. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> Very true, very true. All right, boys. Um, as I said, we're, we're really stretching it for time now. So um, let's go and get your final scores. Um, so I'm going to go with an 8 out of 10. Um, I really, really, really enjoyed this movie. I think it mostly kind of paid off everything that I was hoping it would pay off. And it gave me a lot of things that I wasn't even expecting as well. Um, it's just an absolute thrill ride. As I said, it, I, I watched it with a grin on my face the whole time. Um, and, you know, aside from nitpicks, it, it was a really, really fitting kind of um, sum, summation, because I guess this is the first part of, of the end. So, you know, this is a, a fitting sort of preamble to the end. Um, so for me, yeah, eight out of ten. Um, who wants to go next? Anybody? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so I, uh, I wanted to give it eight, but I still feel like as a epic spectacle, it's, uh, I really enjoyed it, but I feel like I enjoyed Black Panther as a story better and I gave Black Panther an eight, therefore I'll give Infinity War 7.5. Cool. Fair enough. But good, like a good solid, like well done 7.5. Cool. <laughs> well, no, 7.5 is still a damn good score. So, yeah, yeah. No, not a problem. Um, Mr. O. Um, I'm, 
I'm I'm gonna raise the bar with a with a with a with a beautiful nine point five. Um, I is I'm, the nine point five coming from the child in me who just loves the whole <laughs> the whole cinema experience. You know, getting your popcorn, getting your hot dog, getting your drink, and sitting down, and just for however long the film was, just sitting there with my mouth open. The little things that could bring it, you know, not bring it all the way up. As an adult, you know, you take in and and you break down. But just going to a cinema and enjoying just a hell of a 9.5. Cool. Fair enough. Uh, Big A? Uh, yeah, I'm going to have to... <clears throat> I think we're going to have to give it an 8.5 just because what they pulled off no one else has ever tried to do and um the russell brothers made it made it look so easy uh and also the fact that when they were in scotland there was a kebab shop and there's a sign in the window that says mm, we'll deep fry deep your fry kebab that's why i'm scoring it at 8.5 <laughs> <laughs> yeah i saw that as well and i was like Fuck it. that's how you can tell they were really where it's got this fried kebab but... that wasn't set dressing that was fucking real <laughs> Yeah, man. Yeah, so 8.5 from you. All right, cool. And Rich Kid, bring us home, man. Yeah, eight. I'll give it an eight out of ten, man. Um, yeah, I think it's one of those things where it's like it, it's a good film, uh, and some of the things that that it doesn't do, it can get away with because of how it's been framed and like. Um, but it's definitely not the best MCU movie, like uh, like I think people are saying. Just the same way how I don't think okay. Black. Like Black Panther is the best Marvel movie in in the, in the cinematic universe, but they're they're relevant and they've raised the bar in particular ways. Black Panther got superpowers. Okay, yeah, okay, yeah. He, he said he's yeah. That was Lucas saying his go that Black Panther's got superpowers. Yeah. So um, in so for my score for Infinity War, I give it an eight out of ten. Yeah, ten. Sweet. Yeah. All right. Well, I think we're averaging at about an eight, really. So, yeah, like that is a bloody good score. So, um, as said, listeners, you know, we think this is a, a movie that you should have seen already. And certainly if you've been listening to this podcast, you should have seen the movie already. But if for some weird reason you haven't, go and see it. It's absolutely fantastic. It's out in cinemas everywhere. So, um, yeah, go check it out and let us know when you do as well. Let us know what your thoughts are. Right. As said, we've come to the end of uh, this special two-parter. So part one here is done and dusted. We will be with you on the other side for part two shortly, where we'll tackle your questions that you sent to us. Uh, but before we leave you and put you at the end of this part, um, to our two guests, thank you very much for joining us, as always. Uh, Mr. O, uh, where can people find out your about you and find your books and shout at you on Twitter or whatever? Um, I'm on Twitter, on Instagram, Facebook. Um, my website is www.mrco.co.uk. I'm about. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> you heard that? He's out, here. he's out here and he's waiting for you. So, what's up? <laughs> and Nigel, where can people find out uh, more about Mayor Marder? Yeah, I'm, I'm also about. Um, I'm about on our website. Uh, you can see us at mymadda.com, M-A-Y-A-M-A-D-A.com. Um, also on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. And um, yeah, we'll just, you'll see all the stuff we're working on, including our upcoming Kickstarter. 
Cool, wicked. All right. Well, as said, listeners, this is the end of part one. So make sure you go and check out part two. Uh, we will see you on the other side. Peace. If you like what you just heard, why don't you follow us online? You can find us on Twitter at WulongTalks.com, on Facebook at WulongTalks, and on Instagram at WulongTalks. We also have our blog, which we update uh, kind of regularly, and you can find us there at www.wulongtalks.com. If you have any ideas for topics or would like us to feature your geek-based products or business on our show, you can always get in touch with us via email at wulongtalkspodcast at gmail.com.